Hey there, welcome to the House Podcast. We hope that today's message challenges you in the best ways. Remember to reach out to us anytime, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Marcy and I went to the, uh, what is it called, the uh, IPE? And Armstrong yesterday. You know, uh, it is just worth the price of admission to go and watch people. I don't know where they come from, but there is such a wonderful, a strange, bizarre mix of people down there. And I guarantee you, most of those girls never checked with their parents before they put on what they put on and went down to the IPE. Because I'm going, wow. Get some clothes on, you know? And there's cowboys and city people. And I, I, I realized it, and I, we, were, we were just listening to one of the outdoor concerts, and, and people are walking in front of the stage all the time, and I, I'm, I can't tell the difference between a real cowboy. Like, I'm, I used to think you could tell by the boots. You know, is that a real cowboy? But, but, but I, 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 I couldn't tell. And then I figured out, this is the, this is the, the, the way you can tell a real cowboy. They, they have a chewing tobacco tin in their pocket, and there's a little worn kind of a patch there, and that's how I discerned who the real cowboys were. And so I uh, learned so much yesterday. You know, I just feel like I should get a degree in the um, IPE. Um, this morning... Um, as I was preparing this talk, uh, I, I found myself fascinated by the way Jesus taught. He, he, he was a brilliant teacher. He did what the religious leaders of the day did not do. Jesus took these, um, uh, these complex understandings of the heavenly realm and he broke it down into story he broke it down into parables he broke it down into very simple ideas so that even a child could understand what he was saying he taught us that God's heart for Every generation, and this has been God's heart for every generation before and up to this day, has been to usher heaven to earth. That's what he's wanted to do all along. And it's our great privilege as a people to be invited into that divine flow, to be part of that flow. And he invites every human being on the planet into that divine flow of bringing heaven to earth. In John 15, verses 4 and 5, he said, Abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So simple. Everybody could identify with a tree or a vine. 
Everybody could identify. We, we've all seen them. We actually even know the, 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 the symbiotic relationship between the branch and the tree and how it works. We, 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 we get that. And Jesus is using a tree and a branch to illustrate heaven flowing through us. He's talking about the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's talking about. And then the apostle Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 5. And he said, this is what heaven looks like when it comes through you. Just so you know, this is what it looks like. It looks like gentleness. That's what heaven looks like. It's gentleness. It looks like kindness. It looks like pure joy. I had a, I have a great dentist. He's a chatty Cathy for sure. I don't know how he gets any work done because I'm a chatty Cathy and you know, somehow he can understand me when my mouth is full of whatever. And um, he's got this beautiful relationship with Jesus and it's a growing relationship. It's been growing. He's 60 years old. He's always talking to me about how, what new thing he discovered. He was telling me about a, a friend of his, kind of more an acquaintance, um, who, who was a, raised a Mennonite boy. You know, didn't smoke, didn't chew, didn't go with girls that do. You know what? He colored inside the lines. His hair was short. He was at church on Sundays. And then one day, I don't know if you know about in Lake Country where we live, they, they have this music in the park. Every Friday night in the summer, it is a blast. It is an absolute blast. People come by the thousands, they sit and they watch and they listen to music and, and then half the crowd is dancing in front and just having a tremendous time on these beautiful summer nights. And he saw, he saw a poster of who was coming up on, on, on Friday night, and he recognized his friend. And then he, he missed the Friday night, but he, the, 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 his friend was playing in a, in a cidery um, uh, the next day, and so he went to the cidery. And he said he didn't even, he's looking for his friend in the band, and, and, and the Mennonite boy had grown long hair, gotten some really cool tats, Got a really hot girlfriend. And, 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 he's, and he's going, whoa, whoa. He didn't even have a chance to talk to him, but they're playing bluegrass music. And my dentist friend is watching him. He's kind of the band leader, and he's, and he's playing bluegrass. And he's so good at it. And my dentist friend starts feeling emotional because it's so beautiful watching this guy do what God made him to do. It is the most natural thing on the earth. And my dentist is a pretty conservative dude all by himself. And he said the music was so inspiring. It was so beautiful. He said, I'm standing in my little spot and I'm moving my feet. He said, we don't dance, you know, because that leads to sex, right? We all know that, <laughs> which, which, which leads to World War IV. Three, we all know that. If you're a Baptist, you know that. And if you don't know that, talk to a Baptist. They will bring you up to speed, okay? 
And so he, he, he said, I'm moving my feet. He said, and then I just decided, because my heart was so full of joy, he said, I started to move around. And he said, and I danced like nobody was watching me. And he could barely contain himself because it was so beautiful watching someone do what God put them on the planet to do. And he said it when the, when the set was over. He said, I went up to him and I hugged him. And he said, it was a profound experience for me. That's what heaven looks like. It looks like joy. It looks like self-control. It looks like faith. It looks like patience. And so that's the picture that Jesus is giving us, that, that here you have the tree that's full of all these things, and as long as the branch is connected to the tree, now the branch is full of all these things. So what is the fruit? Is it possible that the fruit of this divine connection is every person that you leave better than you find them in your life. Every person that God gets to love through you. Every person you choose to be generous with and be kind with, that's your fruit. Every person that tastes just a little bit of heaven because of you, little bit of heaven. So this morning, again, sorry, it's a real simple talk. There's nothing overly profound about it. I want to do two things. I want to give you a picture of abiding, which is pretty cool um, and a little bit fun. And then secondly, I want to give you one practical way because, you know, when I, I read, read that verse my whole life, remain in me, abide in me, remain in me, abide in me. What does that mean? I can't read my Bible all day. I can't pray all day. I'm too distracted. What does that mean? And I'm going to give you a very practical way that you can abide in the life source of heaven throughout the day. Okay, those two things. First, let's talk about abiding. On the last day, the great day of the feast in John chapter seven, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. If any one is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. I always thought this is just strange. Who goes to a party and then just stands on the table and goes, anybody thirsty? Come to me. But the, 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 the feast that they were celebrating, when you understand it, makes perfect sense of what he was talking about. It was called the Feast of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. And, 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 and it was a seven-day event where they, where they celebrated God's supernatural provision, his supernatural protection uh, um, for the nation of Israel after they left Egypt and, and, and journeyed for 40 years through a desert. Okay, and that's what this festival is all about. And they would uh, set up makeshift tents, and the priests would 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 take lanterns and they would they would walk around the tents and through the tents, commemorating how God gave them a pillar of fire to lead them in Exodus 13. And then they they would go to the to, to the, 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 the pond or the well of Siloam and they would take water and then they, they would carry water around the tents commemorating how God gave them water out of a rock 
in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17 is such an interesting picture. I, I looked and looked and looked, and um, the, the, the number of people that left Israel, their thinking was about a million to two million, one to two million people. And that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to be out in the middle of nowhere. And God was leading one to two million people and he used a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to give them a sense that he was with them, but also to protect them and also to lead them, okay? And um, God's hand was on them. And even though God's hand was on them, he led them to a place where they ran out of water and they got real, real thirsty. And so he points Moses to a rock and he says hit the rock with your staff and when Moses did what he was told water came out of the rock I've known this story since I was a kid and to me a rock is something you can hold in your hand right I'm thinking you know it's kind of he hits the rock water comes out it's like our first slurpee right you know you just drink pass it on to the next person they drink pass it to your camel camel drinks and so on and you realize very quickly that's that's not terribly practical because um, uh, if you go to Psalm 78 you get a real picture of what actually happened Psalm 78 verse 20 tells us that when he hit the rock the rock created a geyser and the geyser formed rivers in the desert and this is my point. After you get real, real thirsty, and all of a sudden there is a pristine river right in front of you, I don't think you sit on your camel and go, smells great. I think you get off your camel. And I don't think you just dip your hand in the water. I think you get in the water. I'll bet you those first days when the rivers are flowing in the wilderness that, that, the, that the nation of Israel was in there not only hydrating themselves but refreshing themselves as a, a pool party abiding in those rivers. And as long as they camped in the desert, that rock and those rivers were central to everything that they did. And that is a picture of what Jesus wants to be to you and I. He is a mineral rich river that flows in your direction. But so often we go, that's nice. We watch it flow. We know about it. We have access to it in ways we've never had access to it before. And we just are too busy to get in and refresh ourselves and hydrate ourselves. He's a, a river full of righteousness. Are you struggling with sin a lot? Start drinking of his righteousness, his presence, his word. He's a river full of compassion and mercy. Peace and goodness. My wife just gives way away way too much money. She drives me crazy. She's really embarrassing sometimes. She's not here this morning. And I, 
We've got company. So she's not watching this, and I doubt she'll look it up. So, so I'm safe. I can't tell you how often she has... She'll look at somebody who's, who's trying to pay for their groceries with change. And she'll just step right in front of them. She said, can I take care of those for you today? And it's embarrassing. It's an awkward woman. I don't like awkward women. I'm thinking, hon, life's got money. Let them buy it, you know. And, and she just doesn't even listen to me. And she just goes and she, and she puts in her card and she takes care of their groceries. And, and, and the one time she didn't, she said, I felt so impressed to take care of that guy's groceries. And so we're driving around and save on foods in Lake Country. It's not very big. It's the worst parking lot, by the way, in the Northern Hemisphere because like it, their tourists don't know how to park and, 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 and there's Lake Country people don't know how to park. And, and, and so you take your ugly car to save on foods when you're going shopping. But she'd drive and walk around the park and looking for the guy so that she could give him money for his... That's, where'd she get that from? That's, that's not normal. That's got to be from the river that flows inside of her that makes her act weird. <laughs> it just makes her act weird. And Jesus wants us to drink in all that he has for us. What you abide in is what you become. When our kids were little, my boys are 36 and 35, but when they were like five and under, it's just to, to save time and water, we'd throw them in the bathtub together for a bath. I mean, we just don't throw them in the tub and say, stay there. Uh, we'd just put them in there when it was bath time. And, um, and I remember they're in there, and it was usually pretty predictable how much time that they would splash around and do what kids do with the bath water, right? They... They, they, they swim in it, they bathe in it, they drink it, all of those things. And Michael comes down, and he's dripping wet, and, and he's got this wicker basket in his hand, and it's full of bath beads. He said, Dad, are these candies? Can Matt and I eat these? I said, no, no, those aren't candies. You, you, you have to leave those alone. Put them back on the shelf where you found them. I said, those are for mom. She puts them in, in, in the bath, and then it makes the water smell nice. And so uh, he wanders upstairs, and, and, and things were quiet for just a little too long. And so I go upstairs, and the bathroom door is closed and locked. And so we just know we got trouble right here in River City, right? And um, I unlocked the door, and when I open the door, I slam into a pugnant, an air, uh, like it was, it was like, whoa, I don't know how they can breathe in here. And I look, and there's the wicker basket right where it was before on the shelf, but there's not one bath bead in it. And here are my two boys whom I dedicated to God. And... Um, and the water has a one-inch oil slick on the top. Every bath bead that was in there well, ended up in the tub. And the boys discovered that when, when, when the bath beads dissolve a little bit, they stick to everything. And so anything that was a target in the bathroom had bath beads stuck to it. Both of the boys had bath bead shrapnel all over them and laughing and giggling and just having the, the time of their lives. And, and so I, I uh, 
got them out of the tub. You try to towel them off, and they zing, you know, nothing sticks. They're like little greased pigs, you know, like, like nothing, you know. And so I, I didn't even think to rinse them off. I didn't even get that. I didn't think to do that. And so we put them into bed that night, and uh, you go to check on them in the middle of the night, and whoo, <laughs> they still smell. This actually happened. We went to Sears the next day, and my wife said, you watch the kids. I'm going to do some shopping, and I lost them. Uh, just for a few minutes, um, and I'm walking up and down these aisles looking for them. I didn't hear them, but I got to this one place in the aisle, and I went, <laughs> I'm close. I'm close, and sure enough, they were in the next. I could smell them. I could smell them from the next aisle, and they smelt like that for days, and Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, you'll smell like me. That's what he's saying. If you abide in me, you will smell like my father. If you abide in me, you will smell like heaven. So let me give you one very practical way to intentionally abide in God's presence throughout the day. And I've talked about this a little before at other times, and it's about it's it's through the practice the discipline of gratitude. It's through the discipline of gratitude. See, people think that, that, that the saying thank you is the most important part of a discipline of gratitude. But I submit to you that there's so much more to living a life of gratitude. I think living a life of gratitude is attuning ourselves more fully to goodness that is all around us all the time. Do you, are, you, are you aware of how blessed, how many gifts you've been given? And, and, and it doesn't even matter that you have trouble in your life. It doesn't even matter that you're fighting against some stuff in your life. But being aware of his goodness that's all around us. It's slowing down enough to resonate with the beauty and the presence and the life that surrounds us. It keeps your heart open. And when your heart's open, you're far more resilient when challenges come your way. If your gratefulness is a measure of your aliveness, think about yesterday. How grateful were you throughout the day yesterday? Or did you just put it on autopilot and get through the day? Get stuff done. If your gratefulness is a measure of your aliveness, how alive were you yesterday? People can get trapped in, the, in this narrative that there's nothing really to be grateful for. But I've said this a billion times. Whatever has the power to hold your focus has the power to dominate everything in your life. And people say there's nothing to be grateful for, have just got their focus on the things that aren't working in their lives. And it blinds them to all of the other blessings that have been given to them. When you take things for granted, you miss out on the joy that comes from a whole grateful heart. 
Because the thankful heart opens its eyes to the multitude of blessings that surround us all the time. And the one thing I've learned is the more grateful you become, the more aware of how grateful you still can be. It just begins to grow. It's almost like a muscle that grows in you. And gratitude opens up your eyes. It opens up your eyes to see what we could not see before when you're focused on everything that's not going wrong. Slow down a little bit and look at the faces of the people that are around you. Behind those faces are stories you can't even imagine. Behind those faces are experiences that that are rich and beautiful and painful and hurtful. There is a story there, but you walk right by it. You don't even stop. And be present in a moment. Open your heart to the blessings that are around you. And when you do that, they will flow through you. The thing about gratitude, it never ends with you. It always ends with you leaving somebody else better. They flow through you. Every person that you meet today, be blessed by you. Blessed by your face, blessed by your smile, blessed, blessed by your kindness, blessed by your gentleness, your touch, your presence. And let your gratefulness overflow to everything all around you. It's interesting because when you attune yourself to the, to the beauty that's all around you, something actually happens in your physical body. Your vibrational frequency goes up. Your vibrational frequency in your body goes faster. And your vibrational frequency is the molecules in your body and how quickly they vibrate. And the higher the frequency, the faster they vibrate, the lighter that you feel. Science tells us that it gives you more personal power, clarity, peace, love, and joy. All of that just from becoming aware of all that God has gifted you. And if you can see this day, today, as as, as a day that that, that is a gift to you, as if it were your only day, you would treat the day differently. And maybe that's why the Apostle Paul said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. Tell you what, um, I'm going to call the band up. I would say there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that have shifted my life profoundly in the last 10 years. And a practice of gratitude has had a bigger impact on who I am as a human being. It, it, and, and, and the more stress you're under and the more people are chirping at you and the more people that have hurt you, the more important it is to look around and see all the other things that God has given you because you can get so sucked into and and go down the rabbit hole uh, when, when people offend you. It's a very powerful way to abide in God's presence. I'm gonna tell you one more story and then I'm done. Um... As a kid, I was a brat, okay? Um, I got into trouble all the time. I got in trouble. I'm pretty, I'm, I've never been tested. I'm pretty sure I'm ADHD. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I've seen three birds in the room since we started my talk, and, and I don't think there's any birds in the room. <laughs> and, um, 
um, and, and, and try to have a board meeting or a staff meeting with me in the room. Uh, I will hijack that thing so fast and take us wherever I think we should go. And, um, and, and that's just bad. And um, so as a kid, I struggled to, 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 to sit quietly in a classroom. One, we were a pretty typical Christian family for the 50s and 60s and 70s. I remember as a little kid, I, um, Sunday morning, life was always the same. My, my father was a house painter his whole life. On Sunday, instead of putting up all painting clothes, he put on his suit, one suit. He always only had one suit. And he'd come out of the bedroom with a suit on. He's always clean shaven. And he'd come out smelling like aquavelva. Uh, we're pretty cheap uh, Germans, and um, and I'm pretty sure he he found a wholesale lot case lot on that stuff or a 45 gallon drum behind the garage. But the, he he put that stuff on so liberally, like he would so the wall behind him was an aquavelva wall. Um, his suit was definitely an aquavelva suit, you know. And so we're driving, we get to church in our station wagon, and pulls up to the front and he drops my mom and my brother and my sister off. My little sister wasn't born yet. And I go to get out and he goes, "Uh uh-uh, you stay. Then he goes and parks the car in the farthest part of the parking lot. And when we get out, he, he, he gets right up in my face. He said, they better not come and get me because you're misbehaving again. He said, because if, if, they, if, if, they, if they're coming for me, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna have double trouble. Now, he said all of this with a really strong German accent, if he didn't actually say it in German itself. And, um, and I said, Dad, I think I got it. You know, I'm feeling good about this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a good day. And, 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 and I just want to get away because I'm getting in trouble before I get in trouble right here, right? And so I uh, say, to, to say, no, I'm good, Dad. I promise um, I won't do that. And, and, and then I go to leave. And, and then he did something that he rarely ever did when we were kids. He said, come here. And he gives me this hug. Gives me this hug. And um, after the hug, I take off and I, I go, go down to Sunday school and we would sing together as a group and then we go to our classes. And I pulled him beside the same two guys I've been sitting with for as long as I can remember. I'm sitting there getting ready to start singing when the guy on my left goes, you smell amazing. <laughs> and the guy on the other side says, yeah, you smell way better than usual. You know what, you, you smell great. And I'm thinking, oh, that's actually not my fragrance. That's my father's fragrance. I, I got that in the parking lot, like just like two minutes ago. I got this fragrance from my father. You see, there is a transference that happens when you quiet yourself in the father's presence, when you quiet yourself in the presence of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And that transference takes place. There's a spiritual transference when, that, that takes place when you open yourself to all the goodness that is all around you. And whether you actually realize it or not, you start to smell like your father. 
what you don't realize is you start to smell like heaven. And then you go out into the world and you do you. You be you. Don't change your personality. Don't change the way. None of that. You know, you just go out in the world and watch kindness and compassion. And people will go, whoa, you smell good. They won't tell you that. But you'll leave them better than you found them. Let's pray. Father, today is a good day. And today is a day full of goodness. Thank you. We live in this beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Thank you that you adore us. And some of us are such schmucks so much of the time, yet you still adore us. Father, open our eyes to see your love for us. Open our eyes to see um, all that you've blessed us with. Open our eyes to see, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.